Welcome back to Water Flying. Today we are joined by Zane Jacobson from BackcountryPilot.org. Stay tuned. You're listening to Water Flying, a weekly podcast to bring you all things seaplanes. I'm Steve McCoy, the Executive Director of the Seaplane Pilots Association. And I'm Abby Kellett, Assistant to the Executive Director at the Seaplane Pilots Association, and I'm also a flight instructor in seaplanes. The Seaplane Pilots Association is committed to protecting and promoting water flying. We achieve this by working to maintain and expand waterway access. We promote seaplane safety, create educational programs, produce the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community, and we create exciting seaplane events. We want to continue to improve this podcast, and we encourage your feedback. Feel free to reach out to us if there is anything you would like to hear in future episodes. So thanks for listening. Let's jump right in. Well, here we are again for another episode of Water Flying. Today, we're joined by Zane Jacobson from BackCountryPilot.org, an online community for those that prefer not to land at airports, our kind of people. So Zane, thank you for joining us today. Thanks. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, and so you just moved, and so you're currently sitting in Minnesota right now, planeless, but what brought you to Minnesota? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I come from Oregon. Uh, I grew up there, and my wife's family has some roots out here in Minnesota, so um, about 10 years ago, I came out here, and Backcountry Pilot was already uh, well underway by then, and I knew some people from the website and met up with them and kind of got my first taste of um, float flying. And I haven't been able to stop thinking about it ever since. And so <laughs> when when COVID hit, we were just kind of in the mood to, you know, move out of the suburbs. And um, my wife was really adamant about living on a lake because of the summers that we'd spent out here. And so we just, we went for it, you know, the, uh, the real estate market didn't really help that much, but um, we, uh, we made it happen and we, we found our way into a, an unlisted fixer upper uh on saint mary's lake up here in northeast minnesota unlisted fixer upper that sounds like uh an adventure in itself yeah really (laughs) in this this real estate climate you have to do what you have to do and actually the um the pilot buddy network made it made it happen i knew a guy that lived on the next lake over and like he knew a guy who knew a guy (laughs) who was selling um, you know, his father had passed away and so he was selling his father's house and it's, it's, you know, this like 80 year old house on a one acre lot, um, in the most seaplane, seaplane friendly lot you can imagine. It's like a nice sloping natural boat ramp right down to the lake. And, um, yeah, it wasn't listed. It was just sort of a, you know, kind of a, one of those brother-in-law deals. So wow. I, I saw it and I was like, that lot is awesome. I don't really care that much about what the house is like, but, um, I can see in my mind, you know, my airplane beached out there. In front of the place. <laughs> and we've talked on this podcast before about how Minnesota is a real hub of seaplane flying. So what kind of, what kind of flow flying are you looking to do up there? You got any plans? Um, well, it, you know, first I'd just like to knock the rest off. I'm a pretty low time, uh, a float pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got my rating back in summer of 2019 um, okay. I went up to Alaska to Alaska Floats and Skis with um, our buddy Don Lee. Yeah. And, uh, 
A name that keeps uh, resurfacing podcast after podcast we after podcast. So. <laughs> I think that guy, you know what, there's only, there's a couple of players in the United States, right? There's like Jack Browns and, and then Don Lee and probably half the people I meet. It's like, oh yeah, I've flown with Don and his Pacers. <laughs> um, yeah, we were talking about that uh, before coming on. Both Mark Twombly and myself have been up flying with him quite a bit and um, we always look forward to it. We look forward to going to the Airman show every year, just so we get to try to go out and fly with Don a little bit. It is great. I was, you know, I'm going to be honest. I was, I was t- a touch intimidated, I guess, meeting him because he's, you know, he's, he comes with such a, he's Don a Lee. Reputation. <laughs> right. he's Don Lee, you know, he's, he's been in all these videos being interviewed, you know, and, and here I show up, I'm like, you know, oh yes, I, I I'm here to get my rating, and um, you know, I'm Zane. Have you heard of my website, you know, Backcountry <laughs> Pilot? And oh yeah, yeah, you know, it's like I'm like I carry no weight with this guy. <laughs> uh, but, but he's such no, a nice was, guy, though. He is. He's super sweet, you know, and he, he's got. It was funny. I, I brought my best friend, my childhood best friend, who's um, who has trained, but he's he's not a, a certificate pilot. Um, but he loves to kind of just tag along and, um, you know, I have, I have a lot of buddies up in Alaska, so we're always, you know, hopping rides with people and he just loves it. Um, but he came to me with Don's and, you know, we stayed in one of the, the, the cabins that he's Little got house there. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's kind of like this, you know, outsider. He, he didn't really know what to expect. He didn't have the benefit of, you know, um, the Don Lee reputation. So we show up and there's like, all these young flight instructors, everybody's in their twenties and you know, there's people coming from the lower 48 and it, we're like, this feels like a summer camp, like some sort of a, a summer camp movie, like the, you know, the hot, wet American summer of float flying or something. You know? and, um, so it was, you know, it was just such a good time. And, uh, you know, I would sit out, sit with Don on his porch and kind of, you know, shoot the breeze and, um, yeah, super cool. I recommend to anybody who's thinking about doing it, don't don't think twice. Just go to Alaska Floats and Skis. There you go. And uh, learn how to land on public roads, among other things. I mean, it's <laughs> not just gravel bars and skis and floats. Uh, you also, uh, Don, is very happy to take you out and land on public roads. <laughs> Right. He'll teach you the skills to get arrested in the lower 48. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It is legal, by the way, in Alaska to land on public roads. So when we say that, um, if the listeners aren't familiar with that, you need to know that it is legal to land on roads in Alaska, unlike most of the areas here in the lower 48. Which is funny. That's a long time recurring topic um, on backcountrypilot.org. is illegal to land on roads. <laughs> and uh, so it, it, you know, like the answer is that it, it depends. So yeah, we can come depends. back to that topic. There's always that asterisk, right? Like, sure. Within a little <laughs> asterisk on it. So saying, yeah, I think we'd exactly. love to get some backstory on you as a pilot. I know we kind of talked about, you know, you got your seaplane in 2019, but you know, who are you as a pilot and how did backcountrypilot.org come to be? Now, what, what is, is backcountry? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so I, uh, I started flying in the mid nineties when I was still in college and, um, my grandfather was a pilot and he had, you know, a Cessna 140A and then he had a Comanche 180. And my dad has stories of growing up, you know, in the backseat of that Comanche, like flying, you know, through thunderstorms and, you know, trying to get in the Missoula and, you know, tuning the ADF into the local AM radio station (laughs) and, you know, stories from like the heyday of flying in the, you know, sixties. And, uh, so I kind of grew up with those stories. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and we we didn't have a whole lot of money as as a family as a kid. So, you know, my my parents didn't fly. But later, when I was in college and and things were kind of getting a little bit better, my dad fell in with this group of ultralight pilots, and um, that was my first exposure to flying. Um, you know, flying in these lawn chairs with snowmobile <laughs> engines, and it was it was the absolute coolest thing. And that very first takeoff with an instructor, so and Quicksilver Ultralight, it was like it was it was like a, a singular moment that completely changed my life. And uh, I mean, I'll always remember that. You know, some people have their their first flight, and they're like, "Oh wow!" You know, it's like, well, they're inside of a Cessna, you know, which might as well be like a Volkswagen Beetle. But <laughs> right. this was like bu- bugs in my teeth and a lawn know, chair, summer I mean, air, yeah. I, I tell stories about um, uh, when I was like 12 years old, I wanted to build a Kolb, which is, again, a, a, yeah. a, a chair on a, a stick, essentially, with a wing and a, and a little motor. But I was like 12 years old, and I'm like, I'm going to build a Kolb, or, and I was going to build a KR2. And uh, so, you know, my big adventure to start my aviation, you know, passion for buying my first airplane was I had to make a set of chalks. I was like, I'm getting ready for that airplane. I'm going to make a set of chalks, you know, (laughs) and I was going to take off, off of my, off of my, uh, street off at my neighborhood there. And I was like, okay, I can land and take off from my street and, and I can get this Kolb in and out of my street in one block. And, um, yeah. So but Zane, I, that's interesting. So ultralights, you know, I mean, there aren't many, well, maybe there are, you know, ultralights are becoming a bigger and bigger facet of aviation, but you started in ultralights and what went on from there? Right. And so, I mean, you asked about how did I start back mm-hmm. but this is, this is all kind of part of the backstory. And, yeah. Um, so, you know, fast forward, I got my private in 2002, uh, you know, and then I was of course just, you know, flying the, the Cessna 152s and, um, and then a couple of years after that, you know, I, I, I was into, um, doing instruction in a super cub and stuff. And, um, right around that time, like even when I was still working on my private was when, internet discussion forums really started to get popular, right? That was like the meat of internet community and interaction. And mm-hmm. I was really, I was really into supercub.org. Like <laughs> yeah. That was Steve Johnson. Um, nowadays, nowadays people think that we're like a, we're, we're rivals or something, but the, the truth of it is, is like he was him starting supercub.org was extremely inspiring. And that was sort of the model for, for backcountrypilot.org. And I, I will totally give him credit for that. Um, so I was, you know, it was, it was a different thing. I was like this just starry eyed, you know, kid in my twenties and, um, being on supercub.org and, and like reading all these guys that were all over the country or in Alaska. It was just, it was the most amazing kind of social experience with flying. And, uh, but I thought this is very type specific, you know, people don't really want to talk about much more than supercubs. So what if I started a similar site that was, focused on backcountry and bush flying, but it was like kind of run what you brung, you know, mm-hmm. any, any kind of airplane will do and bring people together for this singular focus. Right. Um, and so that's what I did. Started backcountrypilot.org in, in early 2005. And um, I think I even posted on supercub.org to get some, you know, some interest and some of the early members were kind of poached from there. Yeah, wow. So Steve Johnson actually was uh, building the uh, Seaplane Pilots Association website when I came to SPA as the executive director. And uh, then I I see a a striking similarity when I look at backcountry.org and the content. Um, In the early 2000s, I was working with the Kunis Brothers on uh, Pilot Getaways magazine. And uh, I see a lot of similarities to Pilot Getaways as well. 
I remember seeing the covers of, of pilot getaways and, and they would always, you know, occasionally or probably more often than not have a really cool backcountry photo, you know, like yeah. somebody flying out in Idaho or, um, so yeah, it was, um, but I, it, it, I also hit a point where the, uh, you know, being a, being a moderator of a, of a discussion forum like that, especially in the kind of the, the wild west days of the two thousands was, um, it was challenging, you know, and people wanted to talk politics or whatever mm-hmm. and people would come and go or, or, you know, get mad that people would talk about other inflammatory topics. So at some point I, I thought, I want to turn this into a, um, a resource that is, is more than just a discussion forum. Like, and I was, I always wanted to make a magazine myself. I thought that was the coolest thing. You know, I'd done zines as a, as a kid, you know, about like BMX riding when I was in oh, high yeah. school. And yeah. so I always had this like latent in desire to, to produce magazines and content and stuff. And, um, this is all before, you know, the, the tidal wave of social media and the, and, and YouTubing and the, the, oh, yeah. the deluge of content that's available now. Sure. So about two, 2013, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to turn this thing into an online magazine. I want to, you know, I've got the resources. I, I, built friendships and relationships with, with a lot of the people in the, um, in our community already. Mm-hmm. People were ready to write. Um, I was, you know, I was sort of interviewing and prodding and trying to get people to, um, you know, contribute their knowledge. And I just kind of tied it all together and wanted to create something that was, um, where someone could just come through and read and, and read some knowledge guides and learn about topics or just read something that was a just an entertaining article about a, a personality or someone's adventure or a brush with death. Or, you know, <laughs> I, like I, I, learned, I learned about flying from not dying from that. <laughs> yeah, right. Ed, edutainment. Yeah. So of which there's no, no shortage of those kind of tales in backcountry sure. flying. You know, yeah, they're some sure. of the best stories. So backcountry flying and seaplane flying go really hand in hand. And and so I really respect the fact that you're trying to develop a platform like we are with our website that really provides more information to the pilots, because this information is quite often tribal knowledge and it isn't easy to, uh, you know, to find access to these things. So I want to commend you again at backcountrypilot.org for uh, providing and having the desire to grow a resource where people can find this. So uh, why don't you tell us about some of those, uh, those changes and, and some of those uh, uh, resources you're working on on the website? Yeah. Um, so I've kind of split it into two types of content. We've got what I call features, which um, it can be kind of a narrative tale, like someone tells a story or, you know, we talk about a, um, a bush plane or something. It's It's sort of more of the the storytelling romantic side uh, mm-hmm. of backcountry flying, which um, I think it is a very romantic topic. <laughs> you know, it's a, I, I, when I started flying, like I went after every single bush flying autobiography that I could find, you know, at the book, local bookstore or online. I have a huge bookcase, like full of all these, <laughs> you know, like the, um, you know, the story of Noel Ween, which oh, yeah. inter- interesting sidebar, Noel Ween's grandson, Kurt Ween, is one of our most active members on Backcountry Pilot. Oh, that's awesome. And his family, the Weens, um, were based here in northeast Minnesota, just outside of Cook, Minnesota. 
And so if you go, if you drive up there just outside of town, there's Ween Ween Road. Okay, I think yeah. where like their ancestral home was. And uh, so Kurt and I have become uh, good friends. And uh, I just met his brother Kent out at Oshkosh this year. But they, you know, they're sort of like this. If if you know anything about the history of of, of backcountry flying, going all all the way back to the pioneer days, right? These guys exploring Alaska and um, you know, trying to bring, you know, actual air services to remoter parts of Alaska. Like the name Nolween is, uh, is huge. If you're a bush pilot and, in Alaska, you know it. If you're in the lower 48, you, you likely might not know it unless you've been studying up on bush flying. Right. Unless you're a nerd like, like, like us. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we're, we're kind of getting off on a tangent here, but, um, so there is that romantic aspect of it, right? And I've 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 read all these you know biographies of of, of the bush pilots, and I I've kind of tried to you know in, introduce an element of that. So there's that sort of romantic storytelling side. The other side is the knowledge side. Internet forums, discussion forums are great, but um, I kind of noticed this this phenomenon of the people would ask the same questions all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and then they would be chastised for not searching in the forum and so I thought I'm going to create a knowledge base. You know, I kind of, I kind of came from the, I still come from the, from the tech world and, you know, software development, cybersecurity, and whenever you need to know something, a lot of times the answers are stored in a knowledge base from the, from the vendor or manufacturer of some software. So I thought I can do that with backcountry flying. You know, if someone wants to know about a certain model of floats or skis or something, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make it sort of like a, oh, the Wikipedia of push flying. <laughs> and, I tried to do that, you know, but it's a, it's a, it's a massive undertaking. And if anyone goes on the site, they can see where it's like, oh yeah, this guy got off to a good start and then maybe something happened and it's like, oh yeah, he had kids and he kind of just, um, you know, dropped the ball. So it's a constant, um, effort to keep building that knowledge and, and adding in there. And sometimes I'll, I'll take a look at the discussions, you know, that are going on and think that's a great topic. I'm going to start a knowledge base page on that. And then maybe I can rope in somebody who's an actual expert to, you know, kind of fill in the, the meat of the article about it. Um, but yeah, the idea is that someone could stumble on there and be, Oh, you know, I want to get started in ski flying. How do I start? Well, we've got an article about, you know, intro to intro to ski flying. Here's, here's the different types of skis, um, you know, and, and are appropriate for certain situations. And then, then what do you do once you get them on? Okay, well, here's how to go out and not get stuck in the snow. Yeah, yeah, which um, people don't realize. I mean, one of the most difficult things about flying skis is not getting the skis permanently affixed to the surface. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, I want to jump in though. You 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 touched on something that is uh, kind of a passion point for me on these forums because I tend to avoid forums a lot because a lot of the behavior that we see on the forums, and I just want anyone that's participating in forums, when you have someone new coming to a website to engage our community or your community, you know, really be welcoming to them and accommodating to them. They're coming in as a newbie. Uh, They're coming to our community for advice and they're looking to gain knowledge. And the the worst thing you want to do is 
chastise someone for seeking that knowledge and treating them where they they have a bad experience and they leave going those guys are a bunch of jerks i i don't want to be with these people anymore so i'm i'm really sensitive to that subject because i see a lot of bad behavior on the forums and i just want to encourage people that are on the forums to welcome the people that are coming in just trying to join us for the kind of flying that we like to do (laughs) yeah it's I mean, it, forums are a sociological experiment, you know, or a psychological experiment, probably a little bit of both. But, <laughs> you know, over the years, like trying to trying to moderate, I, I thought or I think still that I, I did a good job of trying to establish a decorum of like, this is how you just be cool. You know, just be cool. Just, <laughs> yeah, at some point, we're all here to enjoy just, this, you know, so. Yeah. And at some point I, I, I banned politics altogether. It used to be that I would like put the political discussions or anything that like, you know, digressed into politics, I would put into a special forum that you had to opt in to be able to view. And then people would get mad at me for that. And I just finally just banned it. There's no, no discussion of politics at all. (laughs) We're here to have fun and politics is not fun. So, um, you know, people come here for an escape. So we're just not going to talk about that stuff, but to your point. Yeah. And, you know, being cool to, to newbies, um, can really shape, their experience like with most hobbies sometimes you're it comes down to what the community is like and i personally have had some hobbies like totally ruined for me that i was really excited about by um sort of the attitude of the community and the participants yeah, it can sure. really kind of suck the wind out of it we all started at day one at exactly. one point so just you know just approach it like that and come on you know speak now on the other hand occasionally i had to get you know give a little tough love because we would, we would get these newbies to the site that would chime in and be like, you know, hi, thanks for having me. You know, this is a great community. Uh, I'm trying to decide whether I, I want um, uh, a Cessna 208 on Amphibs or whether I should just go with the 206 <laughs> and, you know, which one is going to, and, you know, and then these, the people in the community would chime in with their authentic knowledge about, you know, which would not that those two aircraft are really in the same league. But yeah, I was going to sure. say. They would chime in with 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 actual knowledge that you could tell what came from experience and people that had you know thousands of hours actually flying these aircraft. Then later in the conversation, the original poster, the OP, would say, "Well, as soon as I start working on my private, I'm going to start training next month." <laughs> um, and suddenly, everyone's like. Are you, are you kidding me? This guy doesn't even have a, a pilot yeah, yeah, certificate. Yeah. Like, and he's yeah. asking about whether he needs a, a 206 or a, or maybe just a 182, a P-Pong 182 will do. Like, you are putting the you wagon know, before it, the horse here, buddy. Yeah. yeah. We and get those calls so here every times. day. Yeah. <laughs> and people would get bent out of shape. Finally, I did make a rule that was a little bit controversial that um, you have to have a pilot certificate in order to post a backcountry <laughs> pilot. So, um we're definitely friendly uh, to to newbies to backcountry flying, but you do have to be um, a, a certificated pilot or or at least in training uh, to join the the conversation. Absolutely, you know, just being respectful, and I think we can speak to that, you know, on our social media media and on our forums. But also, you know, kind of what you touched on the fact that you don't have time to do everything, and you certainly don't know everything about backcountry flying. So having that member input is so important, and I think we at the Seaplane Pilot Association can speak to that with the Water Landing Directory. You know, we there's no way 
our staff, our limited staff could look at every body of water and say, yes, you can land here and here's all the specs on it. And here's everything you need to know about every body of water. So having that member input is so important. So what have you seen from your members that has really helped shape um, BCP? Yeah, the whole, I mean, the concept of, you know, crowdsource mm-hmm. knowledge or, or community knowledge is, is really big. And by the way, um, the water landing directory is, is probably the primary reason that I joined SPA. Wow. Um, awesome. Good. Thank no, you. I, flying, flying floats um, has always been a dream of mine. I think it's the ultimate type of, you know, way to explore the backcountry, which was kind of part of our reason for moving out here to, to Minnesota. So yeah, the water landing directory is a, was a huge part of why I joined SPA, but I get it. The, um, you know, any kind of crowdsourced knowledge, um, is tough. It's a process. You have to have people willing to contribute Mm -hmm. and then you have to have the mechanisms in place to collect their knowledge or information and get that into a format that other people can consume. And I, I'm actually very low time pilot. I have less than a thousand hours. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, and which, which is kind of pathetic for someone who's been flying for, you know, I've, I've been a, had my pilot certificate for 25 years now, I think. Okay. Or, yeah. You know, going back to the ultralights, I guess it was 25 years ago. So, um, I just, I just don't get to go out what the flying that I have done has been like highly concentrated, really quality flying, especially the time that I've been able to spend in Alaska. Um, but I could, I could, I could never produce backcountry pilot with this content, nor would I presume to, to do that because it would make me seem like a poser. Um, <laughs> I just, I just don't bring enough experience to the table to, to, you know, prom- promote what we do in that way. So I'm completely dependent on people in the community uh, who do have tens of thousands of hours flying in the bush or, you know, that we've got guys that just have thousands and thousands of hours, single pilot Cessna 185 delivering, you know, hunters into remote Alaska. And um, I, I feel really lucky that I was able to attract those people to my community and that they want, they want to contribute. Yeah, that's awesome. Because they're so important because without that knowledge, they just, they have to know that people want that knowledge. So we encourage you to share, you know, whether it's on backcountrypilot.org or with the Seaplane Pilot Association, we want that knowledge because you might be the only one that has it. This is really supposed to be a community experience and that's what makes it so powerful, which is why we started the podcast and, and I'm so humbled by the the success we've had with the podcast even. So how can someone join the forum? How, if they go to backcountrypilot.org, how do they join the forum and begin sharing or collecting that important information? What's the doorway? Simple. Go to backcountrypilot.org and there's a button in the upper right that says get started. And that's how you either log in or, or register. Um, Registration is pretty, pretty straightforward. There, there used to be some hoops you had to jump through. Like I would make... <laughs> In order to sort of like shape people into like reading the rules and stuff, I would make them find this like hidden keyword in the the registration guidelines, and they had to read through that. You know, and um, it gave me some some hope for humanity because about seventy five percent of the people actually read this long winded document that I'd written with all the guidelines and the rules for, you know, being cool and how to post in the forum, <laughs> and they would dig up that that keyword and. A lot of them still do, and I, you know, it makes me smile. But I, 
I'm not that much of a stickler about it anymore. I just, you know, I don't even really um, monitor who joins anymore that much just because the volume is so huge. But, sure. uh, you know, it's you don't have to do much. Just join and then chime in. And, you know, the discussion forum is still our primary way of communicating. Um, you know, we've you can comment on articles or, you know, we have some groups that, that you can join. The, but the forum is still kind of the main main attraction. And there's there's people still participating that um, were there on day one back in the early 2005. So um, that's awesome. So I'm, I'm taking it. That's that green button that says get started. Yeah, right, looking at it too. <laughs> right, right above that gorgeous Husky photo and article on the homepage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, the timing of, of our discussion today is, um, is great because yeah, we just posted that cool article on the, um, the Aviate Husky on uh, Wipline 2100 A's. Uh, that was sort of a, I don't know, a um, serendipitous kind of thing. Like, so Aviate Aircraft is is one of our sponsors, advertisers. I call them an advertising partner um, because we, in order to support the site now, you know, I, I did hit a certain point where I was like, okay, I got to monetize. I'm going to go after people in our, in, or, you know, companies in our industry that are, that are appropriate to backcountry flying. Sure. Um, and I, I sort of feel like that was a, maybe a duty to the, to the membership too, that they wouldn't have to, you know, see Amazon ads yeah. or like re- remarketing stuff. Like, Oh, I was just searching for a paddleboard. Now it's showing up on backcountrypilot.org. <laughs> um, no, you're going to see, you're going to, you're going to see extremely um, relevant advertising from actual companies in the backcountry flying you know, vertical of, of general aviation. Um, you know, we've got McFarlane, um, Aviate, of course. Uh, and I feel bad now that I can't rattle off all the advertisers. <laughs> the okay. um, we've got Lyft Aviation out of, um, you know, Wisconsin. And uh, yeah, so go spend some time on there and you'll see who actually supports and makes the website possible. In addition to all the member, you know, some of the members bless their hearts, um, you know, donate money. So it's great. Where are we, where are we going with this? No, I just want to point <laughs> out that, you know, if in case any listeners don't get the joke, so that Husky that is on the homepage of Backcountry Pilot, that's the article that Mark Twombly wrote, you know, Mark Twombly. That's our the cover SGA story editor. of the magazine right now. So if now, you are so. receiving your magazine, it is the July, August 2021 magazine called Water Dog. And so that's that's the joke that SBA is featured on the um, cover of Backcountry yeah. Pilot on a, on the face yeah. on the homepage. Um, <laughs> yeah, the homepage. I don't want to. I don't want to use the word incestuous, but we're all kind of creating, <laughs> creating a circle here. No, but of, we all have um, information that overlaps, and I think we share a lot of the same passion. I mean, like we said, like Steve said, like you've said, you know, I mean, seaplane flying. Is there any more backcountry flying than seaplane flying, where you're not even constricted to the ground? I think that's just kind of yeah. amazing. And so your site, Backcountry Pilot, offers um, instructional videos. You list aircraft that could be used in the backcountry with their modifications, survival information. Can you give us some other some other ideas of what you do offer aside from the forum? Um, yeah. So the forum obviously focused on on backcountry and bush flying, but there are these sort of ancillary topics that you can really never escape when you're talking about backcountry flying. Survival is one of those. 
um, it just seems to be a, a common time because it's always kind of in the back of someone's mind when you're out flying over very remote country. You know, we've all seen like the made for TV movies, you know, when we were younger, you know, the airplane crashing into the, to the yeah. woods and, <laughs> you know, the, the pilot dies and the kids that were in the back have to, you know, dig the hatchet out and learn yes. how to start a fire. And, um, it's sort of this, it's a, it's a very real topic, a very real issue, but it, it, at the same time, it's also sort of like you get to entertain these scary thoughts of like, oh, what if I really did have to survive? Now right. it's a fun vein of knowledge to learn how to do it and learn what equipment you know you need and should have on the plane. Everybody that chimes in kind of has a different opinion. Um, some people, you know, they we had this thing where people were sharing their survival kits and like what's in there. This one guy had a Pelican box that you know he cracked open. It was just like jammed full of every possible thing you would need. You know, all the way from like starting a fire down to like an eyeglass repair kit. You know. <laughs> wow. So we can have uh, some big discussions on that because a lot of the workshops that I teach around the country don't leave home without it and don't leave home without it are on survival gear. And I've got a lot of thoughts on that myself. And uh, I I was looking at the guy with the huge survival vest um, on one of the videos last night Mm -hmm. uh, uh, talking about the upsides and the downsides of having this, you know, Rambo vest full of everything. And um, I've got that, that. Go ahead. That video is um, is a really good friend of mine, a guy named Greg Wren, who goes by Big Renna on our, our forum. Uh-huh. He uh, he specializes in in restoring, you know, Cessnas, uh, particularly sky wagons and and one seventies. And he's a very talented uh, mechanic and and builder. But he has a background like you and I do in um, uh, video production and photography. Mm-hmm. So he did probably one of the best jobs I've ever seen of anyone. You know, he's got a photography studio and he set up all that stuff on a, on a desk, you know, and had a camera shooting down on it. And, <laughs> um, he like, I, I was like, you want to, you want to make a survival vest video? Cause I think at the time he was really into it and he's a, he's a paramedic, you know, so he's got this kind of medical, you know, background that he brought to building his survival vest. And I think he knocked it out of the park and, and all the, a lot of the comments that we had on YouTube on that particular video are from people that happen upon it from all walks of life, not just flying that are like, yeah, you know, I was, I was a medic in the military and this is, you know, this is the best survival vest I've seen. So anytime I read those, I'm like, yeah, okay, Greg, you did a great job on that. <laughs> well, obviously coming from a, a special operations background myself and kind of growing up with this kind of flying, I've got some thoughts on it as well. So we have a lot more to discuss. So Isaiah, yeah. I, I have to tell you, it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad we finally got you on the or uh, on the podcast here uh, for Water Flying. I know we have a lot more to talk about. We want to follow your journeys because you have a PA-22 that uh, hopes uh, you hope to put on float soon i i hear i do yeah um it's in a few pieces right now but um i'll be bringing it out here from oregon uh, next next spring early summer to put it on some edo 2000s and try to replicate my my don lee experience out here in, in the great float flying land of minnesota so i'm really excited about that yeah, awesome. looking forward to it. So we'll have you on in future podcasts. just thank you for taking the time i know it's early for you but really appreciate having you on zane 
I can't believe we're 30 minutes already. <laughs> no, right? It's wild. <laughs> it goes fast. Zane, again, thank you so much uh, for coming on this morning and sharing backcountrypilot.org with us. It's a great website, awesome uh, format. It looks beautiful and it has tons of useful content and it's just going to continue to grow as time goes by. And to our listeners, I hope you've, uh, Abby and I both, hope you've appreciated listening to this issue with Zane. He's an amazing guy. And again, uh, you can expect more in the future. So uh, until next time, clear skies and calm waters. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Water Flying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying.